0: Hey everyone this is josh back with cardboard chronicles today i'm speaking with michael moeller also known as double x the beast and today we're going to be talking about player collecting specifically from the 90s uh so michael why don't you just start us off
1: yeah i've, I've you know been collecting cards uh, my entire life i'm 36 years old i i quit for maybe a couple years and in, in in high school um, like a lot of people do and Picked it back up in college and have been doing it ever since. And specifically, uh, Grant Hill um, was my favorite player growing up. Uh, so now, now I'm in my 30s and have amassed a uh, 5,500 card uh, Grant Hill collection, which is just insane to even say. But but that's where I'm at now with my with my collecting.
0: So, what got you started uh, initially? So. Um,
1: beginning with collecting him or just being a fan of his was probably how it started, um, you know, back in 1994 when he got drafted. Um, that was, I, I was like a lot of people. Baseball was probably a little bit more collectible at the time. Basketball hadn't caught up with the, uh, with the card market at, you know, just, just during that time period. But we went through the baseball strike in August, July or August of 1994 and I was twelve years old at the time, and I guess uh Grant Hill came along at the right time, right place um i went I went to oklahoma city and and saw him play and I believe it's the second exhibition game ever preseason game at that time, and of course we had we had no basketball in Oklahoma at that time. you know we were ten years removed from till we had the uh, the hornets during Hurricane Katrina years and then of course the thunder later on. Uh, watching him play in person. Um, of course, everybody saw him doing Sprite commercials and, and Fela commercials and, and all these other things. And, and I was hooked instantly, uh, started collecting him, you know, as a, as a kid. Remember uh, going to a mall in, uh, in Amarillo, Texas in, in probably 95, maybe even early 96 with my mom. And, and at that time, you know, cards were pretty plain pretty bland they were just starting to really pick it up and saw my first 94 95 finest refractor of his um the card number 240 the the one that's considered his rookie and had to beg my mom for 50 dollars to buy it um which which she did i, I bought it and I, I had the card for i don't even know over 10 years i owned it and um at one point in time i uh, i sold it it wasn't centered very good. I sold it so I could turn around and buy a PSA nine at the time, uh, same car, just, but, you know, I wish I wouldn't have done it now, but, but of course I, I did, but that started the, uh, I guess the, uh, the addiction, um, even way back then I collected, collected him off and on over the years. And then probably in 2009, um, you know, the economy was terrible. Things were, weren't, weren't where they are now, of course. And, uh, I had a, Bad job situation at the time, and I sold everything I had. I didn't have anything near like I do now. But but I sold had sold everything, um, all my Grant Hill cards, and most of my collection as a whole. I had um, two two and part of a third complete ninety six uh, tops refractor sets, including Kobe. You know, multiple Irisons, Nashes, um, and probably had about forty PSA tens at the time of different guys, and I sold all that stuff and if I would have just held on for six more months, uh, I changed jobs, uh, changed career paths and, and I would still have a lot of that now. Um, so fast forwarded to, uh, 2015, um, I had been baseball prospecting lots of Bowman, Bowman Chrome, my wife and I would bust 50 plus cases a year and sort sets and everything. And I, I'd, I'd really gotten bored with, with doing that. And, my wife had said, you know, why don't you, why don't you change it up? You know, do something different for a while. And so right about that time, uh, I just decided I was going to go all in on a player, player collection of Grant Hill because um, I had a long history of his cards anyways. And so, um, yeah, I went in full throttle right off the bat and uh, led me to where I am now with with, with having so many cards.
0: So uh, what is it about Grant Hill specifically now that's got you back in and excited to collect him?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's the nine, it's the nineties cards in general. It's that era. It's, it's, it's what a lot of us grew up enjoying and, and he was supposed to be the next Michael Jordan, you know, he's supposed to be the next face of the NBA. And, and so he was a bargain buy at the time when I first started coming back in um, for, for as good as he was at the time is a bargain buy I could build a you know a pretty ridiculous collection without spending Jordan and Kobe prices so it, you know that was appealing to me and in and, and that's led me to have as many cards as I do now of him for a fraction of the cost if, if I was collecting Jordan or Kobe I would I would have 10 cards right now if you know compared to what I have so I you know I enjoy that aspect of him he's relatively affordable um getting more expensive every day seems to be but the first couple years i was building this collection it, it was very affordable um i think the my pmg red i picked up it, i picked it up in a big lot of like a, a lot of other um nice great hill cards in at the end of 2015 for 600. um you know in in person from a from a collector in oklahoma city So, you know, you you can't pick those up like that now. Um, So the market's changed drastically.
0: Yeah. So as a player collector, I get this question a lot too. Are you truly going after everything you can find?
1: Everything pre um, pre Panini, 2009 and and before, I try to get everything I can. Um, The precedence and the main priority becomes the 90s cards. So if if I've got a certain budget set aside, you know if I've got two thousand dollars sitting there, I, I will go for nineties long before I go for the two thousands card. The two thousands cards I just kind of use them as fill ins. Um, some of them look great. They, they're some of them are very underrated. They're they're very underappreciated, but for for good reason because the nineties are just that much better. So I do uh, I do try to collect everything. Uh, There's no way I can ever get all of the, uh, the two thousands cards. There there were just, there's just too many. Um, But I do try. It's
0: a uphill battle. So how do you keep things interesting then? Like, it sounds like you're sort of getting towards the point where you're having to look for the oddball stuff and random cards. How do you keep it interesting?
1: Yeah. So I just, it's, it's the people you meet. Uh, You just keep meeting people. um, And, and that, that's what keeps it interesting. You keep, Keep posting, you know, showing showing your cards off, and you you, you come across a lot of people that uh, that come and go into the industry, and, and a lot of that is you can you can pick up collections from when they do go out. You, you know, you meet them. I, I trade a lot of my my duplicates to guys that are that are you know building Grant Hill collections, and that, that keeps it interesting for me. And and you know, I just love the designs and the cards, so I don't really have a tough time staying interested. With the cards, but but collecting one player, primarily all the time is it is a challenge because I see other cards I want to buy a lot, and I know, you know, I know. Oh well, if I go spend this thousand dollars over here, I'm not going to have it the next time a big Grant Hill cards pops up. So I I, I tend to slide away from those cards, and and sometimes I I, I deal with some regret because I don't pick them up, but. But it, the next big Grant Hill card that comes along and I'm able to get it, that regret's gone. So it evens out.
0: So what cards would tempt you the most? Right now?
1: Um, yeah, That's right not now. Grant Hill, yeah. Yeah, you know, Aaron Rodgers um, in football, of course, his, I think he's so undervalued. And I see his prices and I see things going across. And, uh, yeah, those, those definitely make me want to uh, – you know, slide over and buy a few of those, but probably the biggest thing is, is, is opening boxes. Um, it's, it's, it's opening boxes that I used to buy for $50 that are now two and $300. Um, you know, in, in 2010, 11 in, in into 12, I was busting, um, over 200 boxes a year of nineties boxes and I wasn't spending that much money on at the time. Those boxes are, you know, Crazy high now, I, I busted a box in probably 2012 of 97, 98 ex 2001, and for I think I bought it for 88 bucks on eBay. I mean everybody knows those boxes are over 500, you know, okay. 700 dollars now. And hit Eddie Jones Jambalaya out of one single box, which was cool. But, um, but you know, and those those are things that really pull me away from my my Grant Hill collection at times is 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 boxes. It's busting boxes.
0: So what's your secret to finding all the best Grant Hill stuff? You've got a ton of stuff. How do you just like eBay, nonstop, Facebook, Instagram? What is it?
1: It's all of those. <laughs> it's all of those and then some. It's, you know, it's, uh, I search, I search, do Google searches all the time and image searches and try to find somebody who used to own the card and, and see if I could find an email address somewhere. Um, I, I've had I've had good luck with, with, with doing that in the past, it's searching old forums, Hobby Kings, um, PSAs, forum, you know, some of these different ones that aren't even as active now as they once were. Occasionally, you'll get lucky. And, and of course, social media is a, a huge tool for all of us. You know, I I buy probably 25% of my cards on eBay now where it used to be, you know, 95% because I use Facebook and Instagram to buy so many cards and, you know, and it's, it's been a huge tool to, uh, to be able to add, add to my collection.
0: How do sure. you, how do you treat, uh, the money side of it from a player, uh, player collecting perspective? Cause like if you're, you know, if you're collecting like Jordan and LeBron, you can kind of dual purpose, you know, collecting and investing. How are you doing that from your perspective?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question, Josh. And, and it, when I started this venture, um, it it was not an investment i didn't even think of it as an investment i, I figured everything i put into you know a guy with terrible ankles that i was going to lose every penny that i every penny that i put into it and uh it, it's been the opposite um i don't know what i've got in my collection it's thirty five, forty thousand dollars probably um and it's worth considerably more now because everything is just you know the, the market's at an all-time high right now where it ever has been and there's really been a, a peaked interest in these '90s cards, especially ones that can be traced back to uh, you know people who pulled them or people who've owned them for a long time, and ones that we all know that are authentic. and And I've, I've been fortunate that that I've been able to locate a lot of those. I bought out three or four collections, most of them small. Um, one one collection probably makes up maybe 25 or 30 percent of my collection. Um, It was the Sam Cobb collection. It was featured in a, in a, in a Beckett back in 1998, 99. Um, His collection was, and him and his dad had collected Grant Hill since day one. And it was one of the most thorough collections you could get. And and a good friend of mine, John Anderson, bought the, bought the collection in New York uh, locally where, where, where Sam and John, where they live. And, and I was able to, pick through it over the last couple years and, and get all of it and and get most of it. I didn't get all of it. Some of it, he, he sold, sold at different times, but I was able to get most of the big cards that I needed out of it. So that, you know, things like that makes it really, really nice being able to pick up these cards from an investment standpoint, but it's also nice because even if I did want to sell, I mean, the, the mon- money's not everything. So, you know, even if I lost a little bit, it's been fun for, how many every years I decide to do it or, or keep doing it.
0: So then if you're picking up, uh, you know, lots like that, are you keeping duplicates? Or are you selling them? What, what are you doing with all the duplicates, especially the big I, stuff?
1: Yeah. So I, I, I don't sell many of them. Um, I've got tons and tons and tons of duplicates and I will trade them to other, um, grant hill collectors that aren't really flipping them that I know that are keeping, um, I'm in, uh, two Facebook groups that are, Grant Hill Super Collector groups, and I trade with those guys pretty regularly, and you know, and I get a lot of nice cards back from them that I don't have, and I don't typically sell to people if I think they're just going to be flipping them. I just I'll just hang on to the card, and and maybe occasionally throw one on eBay if it's one that I want to get rid of, but seldom do I ever move any of the rare stuff. I, I just hang on to it, um, I, unless I know it's going to somebody who who wants it to keep it.
0: So if someone comes to you knowing you're collecting all the big stuff and they've got a second monster card that you already have, how interested in, are, are you in spending your money on that versus you know finding something new that you don't already have?
1: If it's an upgrade to condition, I'm extremely interested. Um, I, I will always upgrade condition. You you can't you can't have a collection with with too high of a level of condition. So I always pick those up when I can. Um, those are definitely take precedence. I typically, if I, if it's the right price and I don't have anything else I'm working on buying, I'll, I'll just go ahead and pick it up. Um, even if it's something that, that I, uh, that I don't necessarily need, or even if it's not a condition upgrade, if it's the right price and it's something I can just stash back with the rest of my collection, I'll, I'll definitely pick up duplicates. And I know you, uh, you, you made note of that at the, at the national, we were talking about this, you know, with, with. How you can't stand duplicates in your collection, and you know you, you're, you're I'm, I guess I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum. Is uh, I think it's really cool when I can I can get several of, of one print run. You know, I think it's I think it's really neat.
0: Yeah, my I mean, I only do that because I need the money for LeBron. So it's strictly <laughs> a it. financial decision. Um, so you mentioned that you stopped collecting at Panini, and I I'm really trying to avoid making this just like a bashing Panini. I really don't want to get into that, but. Um, what is it about Panini that kind of shies you away from their stuff? Is it you know Grant Hill had his you know his prime well before Panini, and I know that pro- probably plays a part. But is there is there anything else that keeps you away from it?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the quality of the card is designs and and things like that. There, you know, it's to me, there's no comparison to to pre Panini versus what they've done. That they're just their cards just aren't as good quality. They also produce a lot of designs that just look the same year after year after year. And I don't necessarily, uh, I don't necessarily think they're putting, putting the time in on their design quality. Um, and then I think uh, they're just mass producing a lot of these, a lot of these uh, veteran players like Grant Hill, you know, you see they just mass produce their autos um, patches and things like that. And, um, you know, Grant Hill only signed um, for three years um, for Fleer Skybox um, up until Panini had, had had signed him, and so his his autos were you know very rare for for years and years and years. And now it's it's definitely watered down because you see his autos in every single Panini product, multiple versions. And I don't really care for that so much. And, and you know, and then the the '90s cards that that's that's the ones when I was a kid. So I don't. Care to collect things as much now? That I'm an adult. I, you know, I don't have as much, uh, you know, much tying me to the value of that card like I do the, the things from when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, I think the new collectors coming in just have a different, um, you know, they they don't have the background that we do in the '90s stuff. So they, you know, they like to collect the new stuff and they like to collect current players. So I to- I, I definitely understand that. And then the more that Panini pumps out of the new guys, it sort of makes the stuff that we collect when we were kids even more appealing, right? Like it stands Water. out more against all the watered down stuff.
1: Yeah. There's no doubt about that. It's a, uh,
0: but you know, even, even with that being
1: said, you talk about the new kids coming in and, in collecting, collect what you like. If you like the panini stuff, collect it. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, yep. just not, not my cup of tea necessarily. Uh, I, I do. I'll, I'll bust some occasionally. I'll bust, especially prism when it comes out, just a great, you know, a handful of cards and, and sell them or trade them, um, just to just to have something to bust. But I don't get into it, especially the autos and patches. Which I mean, you've talked about it a million times. I'm not an auto patch guy, anyways. Yeah. I like just a, a good design, uh, good design card, a parallel card or insert card.
0: Do you like the Revolution stuff?
1: It looks good. Um, it's it, you know, it looks it looks good. Um, it definitely has a lot of uh, '90s, uh, you know design. You can tell where it was influenced, but you know, like I said, it's still not my, still not my thing, but, but people who collect it, you know, have fun with it, collect, collect anything. If it's, if it's those, if it's jerseys, if it's shoes, whatever it is, collect, collect and enjoy it.
0: Um, do you have any other crazy pickup stories on the top of your head? Oh, um, so let me think here,
1: not necessarily, I wouldn't say crazy, but uh, when I, when I did decide to, really, uh, that I was going to collect and I was, I was going to do this. Um, like I said, at that time I was collecting lots of Bowman stuff and, and, and creating a ton with BGS at the time. And I decided I was going to sell all of that and start collecting and, and right in the middle of that, I got, I got very sick and, and had to go through uh, bone marrow biopsies and lymph node biopsies. And I was actually, uh, when I was going through all that, um, you know, I was sitting in in a cancer in an oncology uh a doctor's office um, bidding on my StarQuest goal uh, that I ended up winning you know, at that time, and it, you know I still laugh about that now, and it, because you know I was shouldn't have been worried about anything other than my health, but but you know things like that keep your mind off of stuff and you know keep you keep you going. But and then moving probably a week after that, we already talked about the. Uh, when I picked up my PMG red was right after I had, had my uh, lymph node biopsy. And so I've got, you know, a bandage on my throat. I'm bruised up. And I meet this guy in Oklahoma city. I was there for a follow up doctor's appointment. I meet him at, at a local card shop to go pick up the PMG red and some other stuff. So at the time I weighed about 130 pounds, I'd lost a hundred pounds in a few months just from, from being sick. And, and uh, there, I am worried about Grant Hill cards at the time.
0: <laughs> so I love hearing like the happiness in your voice, even though you're going through that. Like cards, get, it sounds like they helped you get through that crap.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it did. And and, and you know, I've, I'm 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 going to collect until I die. It doesn't matter what it is. I've 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 always collected whether it's comic. I've collected comic books for years. I've you know I've done cards. You know, just different things that to keep me keep me busy. And so I'm always going to do it. Um, it's it's never going to be something that I'm always going to use it to take my mind off of other things. Just just the way I am.
0: Yeah, people outside the hobby usually are confused when I tell them, or you know, you know, you collect you know pieces of cardboard. How does that work? And but when you're talking to other collectors, you can just kind of see like the joy right in their face and the reasons they do it. It's awesome. Yep, absolutely. I, I totally agree. Um, so what's the end game? <laughs> what's the end game? Because you like so when we first got. I remember when I first got in, you had come in, you know, not too far before that, and you were hitting Grant Hill really hard, and now you've got a ton of Grant Hill, so eventually you're going to, like, get to a point where you're going to maybe shift to something else, or what's the game, what's the goal?
1: Yeah, um, you know, it's, obviously it's still just to to have the most thorough and complete collection that you can, and you know it's a it's kind of a race against the checklist and you know just trying to the player checklist just trying to get all those cards you can and it's tough and and I've really hit a bottleneck just in the last probably 3 or 4 months so right now I'm 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 not even actively looking at buying as much as I was I'm I'm kind of I've kind of backed up a little bit I'm organizing and and grading a lot and and doing a lot of those things right now and probably going to hit it really hard next year again and try to buy, buy a ton. And if I don't, if I'm not able to buy a lot of those, I'm, I'm going to start a side PC of some sort. And I'm, I'm right now I'm leaning towards a sealed box collection. I've always wanted to do that. I've always had uh, a terrible time keeping them sealed when I've tried it in the past because I, I can't keep from opening. But the prices of them now have have really uh, driven, driven me out of the, uh, the opening them. Um, you know, it's, it's just better investment to keep them sealed at this point because of the cost. When, when I was buying 97 metal universe boxes for, you know, hundred bucks, 150 bucks. Yeah. They were priced to open at that time. And now that they're, you know, over 500, a thousand, you know, you, you know, you can't open them now. You what do you, what do you hope to pull to, to come out on top of that? You know? So. Yeah, I think a sealed box collection is probably coming in the next year or two for sure. But I'm not going to stop with the Grant Hill collection because there are still a ton that I need. Um, I'm in the middle of updating my spreadsheet right now, and I think when I'm all said and done, I'm going to have around 65 to 70 percent of all cards from '94 through '09. So, it, when you if, you if you if you went and took the one of ones out of that, you know I'm probably at an 85 percent clip or something. So you know, there's still some to get, but obviously it doesn't take genius to figure out the mathematically it's it's getting hard to find ones that I that I don't have. Very difficult.
0: Yeah, totally. Um why don't you talk about national a little bit, just recap how it was for you and your time there? Yeah, it was it was it
1: was good. That was my I believe seventh national. I think I've been to four in Chicago and that was my third one in Cleveland. And this was by far the busiest one. I think I'd seen. Uh, I think I got an email from the national saying it was a record-setting one, and and uh, it was uh, it was it was busy. The nineties the market was not there, from what I saw. There, I mean, there were some few booths that had some nice stuff, but I was pretty shocked at, at how small of quantity that that we saw there, and that just tells you that people are buying them and keeping them. Um, it's it's they're not they're not being flipped around as much as as what they were. Uh, Panini cards were everywhere, vintage cards are everywhere, but but the 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 good '90s cards, outside of Jordan and Kobe a little bit, you know those guys are always going to be sold. But um, even even your your Jason kids and your Duncans and, and guys like that, I, I just did not see a lot of them. Um, and we talked about it a couple of times and, you know, of course Adam and some of the other guys, Matt Buckley, um, you know, there was probably better nineties cards walking around the showroom floor there in backpacks than there were in the booths, which was, which was pretty incredible to see everybody's collections. And, you know, it's a lot of fun, but, you know, I want to see more of those, those, those cards coming up for sale, you know, just, just to even go see them, you know, out, out, presumably some of the dealers. So, i think we'll see that more next year in chicago i think there'll be a a little bit more people that'll that'll buy them throughout the course of this next year and just have them ready to go because uh it's just it's just not available once you go to the show and it's just not but it was great meeting everybody um so many people that i've talked to over the years and never had a chance to meet so that that was a lot of fun met met a lot of uh a lot of guys a lot of dealers uh I've got a lot more people looking for Grant Hill cards for me now, uh, just some of the dealers. Um, I've already actually had one of them email me. Um, he found a card. I, it wasn't one I needed, but at least they're looking, and that's a, that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. I talked about it on my recap that my favorite part of National was just like going off to the side over by the food court area and just like right. showing yeah. off PCs like you, me, Andy, and uh, Adam. We're talking for like an hour there just showing off cards.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Um, so, what is from that perspective? What's your take on the the future of the hobby, both from the '90s perspective, but in general?
1: Yeah, I think I think the hobby's. I, I think I think it's here to stay. Um, I, I think people need to be very leery of uh, the newer cards getting mass produced. Um, I think rookies coming in, you know, from college in, they're signing autographs at a record level right now. So I think people need to really be be cautious of uh, you know the oversupply right now at this point on some of the newer things. But with that being said, it's going to lead to some of these older cards. Uh, they're going to be in demand. That's not going away. Their uh, their low prices are right now. I think I think you know they're they're not going below where they are right now. And so those of us that are holding a lot of these cards. Um, you know, we're, we're set pretty good for the future. Um, getting new cards, it's going to be a challenge, um, getting real cards. Um, it, you know, better than anybody, Josh, uh, <laughs> getting, getting real ones is uh, is, is certainly a challenge And anywhere. There's this much money involved. Uh, there's going to be people that are drawn to it to do fakes. So, you know, everybody needs to be cautious, um, uh, moving forward with the hobby. But I think, I think the hobby's in a good place. I just think we, uh, We all need to look out for each other, make sure, you know, people who are faking cards, you know, are squashed out of the, you know, the industry, you know, whether it be blocked on Facebook pages or groups, um, you know, things like that. We all need to look out for each other, but, but everybody needs to just uh, understand that these prices aren't going down. Um, they, They are where they are, where they are. Grading's not going away. A lot of guys don't like to grade. Um, you know, that's not going away because people want to know the condition, they want to know that it's real. Um, I see a premium on that moving for forward, forward even more so than we have in the past, for sure.
0: Yeah, but dude, the nineties stuff is just like getting harder and harder to find. It's just like if, if a good lot comes up, like talk about that Grant Hill lot actually. I wanted to touch yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah I still I still can't
1: I st- hopefully this video will help drive somebody out that that's uh, that that bought it. So I still don't can't. leave
0: out details then, you need to be descriptive yeah. here. It was a
1: 62-card lot. Um, um, I had someone bid on it for me. I was in the middle of moving. Um, wasn't able to bid on it at the time, but I had someone bid on it um, um, just to get them and, and, and hang on to them for me for a month or two. And we didn't win it, unfortunately. But uh, it uh, out of the 62 cards, there was only six cards that I didn't have. Um there's a 99, uh, 2000 tops gold label, um, class three, the, the, the red label. I didn't have that one's number 25. Uh, there was, uh, probably the number one card on my want list outside of masterpieces, which are just hit or miss where you can find those is 97, ninety seven ninety eight star rubies. The number one, the base, the base rubies. Um, I don't have that one. And that one was in there. It's the first one I've seen available in probably three years. um, that was maybe the two biggest ones I was looking at getting. There was a few upper deck cards that are different inserts that are numbered to 25 in there that I don't have. Those aren't as high on my priority list. I, I, I want to get them just – I want a complete collection. But those style-wise, they're, they're not as good as the Fleer Skybox cards. So those cards were probably the two biggest ones that I wanted out of there and, and was very disappointed not to get it. But I've been even more disappointed that I haven't been able to find who bought them. I thought for sure it was going to be somebody that was looking to flip them and split them up, and they haven't hit eBay. Um, nobody at the National knew where they went. The seller, uh, which is which is fine, understandably so, he won't tell me who bought them. Um, you know, so it's it's been frustrating because I'd, I'd like to get my hands on at least a couple of them. If I can't get all six of those, I, you know, at least at least one or two of them, that still knocks knocks cards off my list.
0: What did you think about the price? I know a lot of people in Blowout were upset, but what did you think about it? It was, it was actually whoever bought it, got a good
1: deal. Um, from, if you look at recent sales and and where the market is right now, they actually got it a little bit under what I believe they would sell for, um, individually. Um, and that does not factor in if any of them grade high, um, which is obviously a big factor when you buy a big lot like that. So I, it wasn't, it definitely, they definitely, I wouldn't say they got a steal, um, but, but they got a solid, solid deal. I think we I think we were about a thousand dollars under um, where we where we bid, and and I thought we had a decent shot at getting it, and we, we were just blown away um, by the by the final sale price. But it you know it is what it is. That's 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 where the prices are, you know, right now. And I, I read a lot of those blowout you know people making comments about the price, and and if they would have sat down and looked through the the cost of each or the, the, the sale prices of each one, you know, it, it wasn't far off at all.
0: There's also, daughter. there's also an emotional attachment to the lot. Like for me, if that was Penny, I would not have thought twice about bidding more than what the market would have said. Cause I just, you're never going to find a lot like that. And like the value of each of those cards is it is what it is, but the meaning of it to me is, is a lot higher than that.
1: It, it is. And, and like I said, if I hadn't been moving at that time, uh, I would have won it at almost any cost, <laughs> but, you know, relatively speaking. But you know, it, it could not have fell at a worse time for me, and uh, I, I was thankful I had somebody that was willing to go out and try to get it. And so, we took a stab at it. We didn't get it, but that that was a huge, you know, huge lot. We, we won't see another one like that of of any player probably again, yeah. um, just the, with the way the market is right now.
0: All right, let's end with some cards. I know you brought.
1: You some, want some cards?
0: You brought some real big ones.
1: So I'll show. I've got five cards here. I'll Most show, people aren't
0: willing to show the big ones, but I'm glad you are.
1: Yeah, I'll show. I'll show a few of them. I've probably got some that are more valuable than some of these, but the, the first one to show is just my. I don't know if I was. You can see it there, Josh. This is ninety nine two thousand. It's just the uh, Skybox Dominion, and it's the uh, Sky's the Limit Warp Tech. The reason I'm showing it is John Anderson, the guy who had the big collection I was talking about earlier. He this was the one he was going to hang on to and, and keep. And I finally talked him out of it. And so that's a, that was a big one for me to get. It's the first one I've ever seen. So that was a big one. And then let's, let's go on a round of uh, masterpieces here. There's the 99, 2000 ultra, um, masterpiece. I don't know how well you can see it. You see it, Josh? Yep. Um, you know, and of course the masterpiece one of one right there. So that, that was a big one to get. That came from the same collection as that, uh, the War tech. I and mean, then this, this is probably my favorite design, um, which, you know, I know Matt Buckley with his Weber when he, back when he had it, this, you know, he used to say routinely this was, and of course this might be the best card of, of, of Hill in his magic Jersey that you yeah. can get. Yep.
0: It's been, it's
1: the Matt 2000, 2001 masterpiece, of course. And it's, that's one of my favorites.
0: I think it's just awesome looking. I love all the PSA, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm, not switching everything to PSA, but I, everything new that grade is PSA and there's the 98, 99, there's the row one masterpiece. And, you know, and it's this, this, uh, this has the blue, of course, course, the blue full. Um, I know Antoine Walker, there's a few other players that have the blue full for some reason. And, and so, um, you know, BGS, actually, I took it to them. Um, this is when I was still grading with them a lot in person and they, they refused to grade it because it wasn't purple. Hmm. Um, and this card actually came from the same collection as, as the Ultra Masterpiece and the Warp Tech. And this card uh, can be traced back to around 2000 when Sam Cobb and, and his dad bought it. Wow. So, uh, you know, I, I, I know it's authentic and, and everything and, and really cool, really cool card. And then, of course, you know which one's coming next, don't you? Yes. That one, which was just, you know... Uh, a dream just to get you know it's one of those ones when you start when you start a uh you know when you start a collection like this you you, you hope you can find it you, you know you're, you're judged on whether you find it or not and i was i was definitely uh very fortunate to get it and it was just by circumstance actually that i was able to able to get it it was a uh, another collector ron friedman a lot of guys see him around uh, he's, you know he's got alan houston and and a big Allen Houston collector. And I was helping him. He, he picked up an Allen Houston green um, and I was helping him with price and, and checking it for authenticity and things like that. Just, just helping him with it. When he received it, he posted it. He posted it on Facebook, just showing it off that he had received it. And the guy who owned this um, posted and said, Hey, well, it's awesome that you finally joined the club or something mm-hmm. along with clients, you know, and, and Ron knew him. And so kind of put me in contact with him and, and it was probably about two months after that we were finally able to get a deal done. And, and, you know, this, I've had it since February, I believe. So, and it, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. And I told you, you know, I, I, I turned down a very significant offer on it of uh, of $15,000 and, and it, you know, it, money doesn't mean, mean that much to me as far as, selling it. So it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Well,
0: I'll be happy for you when I get my own copy. Yeah. You've got to get
1: one. Uh, (laughs) Right now you're outside the uh, circle of trust. We need to get you back in.
0: I'm just some guy that has a lot of bunch of Penny Hardaway
1: cards. (laughs) Yeah. And, and you know, and this card has such, you know, that mystique about it. It doesn't matter how many masterpieces you have. It doesn't matter if you have everything else. If you don't have this one, you just, don't get looked at the same ad for whatever reason. I'm not, I don't, I don't feel the same way about it. Um, I, I, as far as the way it gets looked at, but you know, I'm not stupid. I understand why people, you know, they, people love them. And Matt Buckley, he had, I think what 50, 50 plus Chris Weber cards. Me and him had talked about it for years. Uh, it was the first thing people asked him, He, you know, he has over 51 of ones or whatever, but he <laughs> would always get asked about this one. He didn't have one. And, and, uh, they always want to know if he was going to pick up a green anytime soon, which is, which is crazy. But that's, that's just what what this card means to, to collectors.
0: Right. Yeah, man. Way to end it. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. That's
1: That's it. Easy
0: Josh. Uh, It was great talking to you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for jumping on. Yep. Thank you.